With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. This is November 22nd edition of the FlowTrack Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Podcast at gmail.com if you'd like to write in. Today's episode title, Gordon, Lessons from NCAA Cross Country, which means... You're either going to spike the football about what you got right, or you're going to issue some apologies about what you got wrong. What's it going to be? Well, I, well, neither, because <laughs> it's impossible. The fact that there's expectation on me getting things right and wrong is a wrong is a fallacy in itself. I am not supposed oh. to be able to correctly predict 255 individuals in the correct order. Like that's just not supposed to happen. So. I'm supposed to be wrong, and sometimes I'm right. But it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to not correctly predict the order of 31 teams uh, running a race that you have no control over. It's okay to be the wrong. And I wasn't that wrong when I actually look at it. I was kind of pretty good. So for that, I'm supposed to for that, be but, wrong. You know. The Gordon Mack story, just a true true underdog tale there. Well, what do you what do you think when you look back at the results? Like, what do you think was the biggest thing that you either thought what well, like you had an assumption going in and, and it bore itself out. I mean, I'm just, things went to form for a lot of this race. There were a couple, you know, teams and individuals that didn't, didn't live up to expectations, but was there anything that you uh, thought was true that ended up actually being accurate? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, on the women's side, the idea that this was a four team race, or out exactly how we thought it. We thought it was an NC State, BYU, New Mexico, Colorado race, mm-hmm. and then everyone else was kind of fighting for scraps for fifth through tenth and on. Um, and we knew NC State was the heavy favorites of that four, and that's exactly how this played out. NC State was the heavy favorite. BYU, New Mexico, Colorado were kind of bunched together trying to battle NC State, but NC State mm-hmm. controlled their destiny. They just needed A minus races from everyone. They didn't Hannah Steelman to be, you know, top 20. I think she was top 20. So they got exactly what they needed from their star five. 
And it was no, there was nothing that BYU, New Mexico, or Colorado could do. New Mexico ran how we thought they would run. They had a pack, but no true number one, the way BYU and NC State had true number ones. So New Mexico couldn't really overcome not having a true low stick. If they had a true low stick, New Mexico would have finished second, right? Because mm-hmm. they were only eight points behind BYU. Their top runner was fifth, scoring 15. Their top runner mm-hmm. scores seven. And all of a sudden, New Mexico second. And uh, yeah, it just and New Mexico was, they had the best sixth woman, right? Their sixth woman is 46th. Better yeah. than Colorado's sixth, better than BYU's sixth, better than um, NC State's sixth. I mean, there's their sixth one, Amila Mozzie Downey. She's the one, I think, who was their top runner at, I think, at conferences or at regionals. I'm not sure which one, but she's one of the top. She was their sixth runner today, and she was almost mm-hmm. All-American. So um, it shows the depth that New Mexico had, but they didn't have the star power up front that NC State and BYU had. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the women's race was the most, like, to form we could have expected. I mean, you could argue maybe Notre Dame getting fifth is a, a surprise, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, no one really remembers fifth place finishes. You kind of remember the podiums, and we were all, you know, the odds were in our favor to predict that this podium was the podium. The order, you could debate a bit, but we knew it was NC State and then the other three. Yeah, well, the order you could debate, but if you had to group them into two chunks and you said, what's more likely, NC State, BYU in the top two or New Mexico, Colorado in the top two? I think we everybody would have said NC State and BYU. I think they were True. slightly favored over the other two, particularly NC State. And Notre Dame ran well at regionals. They were on the, the ascent heading into this meet, so that doesn't surprise me, and they got a really good run from Maddie Denner. When I look at NC State, though, the more I think about it, the more I just am impressed by their depth because they have Hannah Steelman, who we thought going into this year would be number one runner, right? As She's good enough to be number one runner, obviously. And she had a, I don't know, what would you say, a B race here? B minus race for her, finishing 24th? Yeah, you could but say she, that. Right, but they're so strong that that ends up being their fourth runner. Hannah Seelman was our fourth runner, and she didn't have that bad of a day. A lot of teams, your number one runner going into the year, they end up being your fourth runner. That spells doom because that just means that they fell apart, not that everybody else stepped up. Um, Camille and Tui obviously have been great all year, and they've really succeeded um, in in cross country, last two champs. Hayes, the transfer from Columbia, very impressed with her. She had not had an All-American finish in cross-country previously. She had made the outdoor championships before on the track. But this was a huge run for her to be their third runner. And, you know, scoring 18 points, just a huge boom right there. And then Steelman and Bush closed the door for them. This was just a very, very complete performance by NC State. And because Steelman was four, I almost feel like they could have, they probably left some points on the table too, the way I look at this. Like, they, they probably could, could have scored 10 fewer points. Like, if you run a, a different race again, I think it would have been realistic for them to to have even a better day. This was a this was a solid, convincing victory for NC State. No doubt in my mind, they're the best team this year. Yeah, they left points on the floor with her. And you could also argue, you know, Dom, Dominique Claremont, if she was, mm-hmm. you know, more 100%, she has the talent to be, you know, a top 50 runner, but she just wasn't having a good season 
all year long. She was able to still be in the top seven because of her experience, uh, but we kind of knew she was going to finish in the 150s. But if Claremont was on top, I think she won ACCs in 2020. Mm-hmm. If she's there, then they would have been even crazier. But they had enough depth. They had enough talent. And uh, they were the favorites for a reason. And it kind of showed mm-hmm. here. Individually, it was to form as well, too. You could say Chilangat was the favorite because of what she did last year. but. Whitney Orton, a ton of experience and ends up winning by about four seconds. And you had her ranked number two. Is that correct? Coming in? Orton was two. Yeah. I think I had the top three ranked top three in some order. I think it was Chilling got Orton, McCabe or something like that. Yeah. And then you go beyond that. You go beyond that. Logue, not a huge surprise. Roe, Camille, Haas, Nichols. There weren't that many surprises in that, in that top group. I didn't think. I mean, I guess, you know, delay of Yale. How, how, how low did you have her going in? Let me pull up your, your rankings. I think here. I had her in the top 25. Okay. So even that was not that big of a, that wasn't that big of a deal. You didn't have a situation like we had in Terre Haute a couple of years ago where people in like ranked 75 were <laughs> finishing in the top 10. For Orton, I mean, it's just a story of persistence. I looked it up. This was the, her 10th NCAA championship between indoor, outdoor, and cross and she missed that indoor season when she had her best shot because it got canceled right before the meet started and then she had just i'd almost say bad luck a couple times where she just clearly was not in in shape at the right time cross last year only had four workouts going in outdoors last year she had a really good 5k coming in but didn't make the final remember that in the 1500 didn't make the final and then the 5k did a bunch of leading and ended up getting passed by a bunch of people but experience paid off there and she clearly looked like the better runner over that last that last 800 that that was a big move and and put everybody put everybody behind her but it, it makes sense Whitney Orton 2021 NCAA cross champion just like NC State women NCAA cross champ makes perfect sense I will say I was off on the two Notre Dame athletes not only was I off on them getting fifth I had them more ranked in the 10 to 15 range Denner, I had ranked 40th, and Markovich, I had ranked 70th. So the fact that they mm. finished 9th and 11th was a big difference. Um, they probably weren't ranked as high because they didn't do as well at the more notable meets, and I don't weight regionals that hard because I know regionals is kind of like a, a fake race that's just for qualifying, and maybe their performance there was actually more indicative of what they would do at the national level than we expected. But it was impressive there for Notre Dame with uh, two sophomores. They're finishing in the top 11. Yeah, credit to credit to them. I mean, credit. you said Markovich was ranked where? 70th. Ooh, okay. So she gets the – she's the surprise of the, the meet there. And Denner up from 40th yeah. too. Yeah. Only to be outdone by, by her teammate Markovich there. All right, what other – let's stick with the women's race just for a little bit longer what what other takeaways did you have from the women's race um i was impressed with uh i mean parker valby the florida freshman who led the race a bunch for a bunch of the meters in the beginning she didn't hold on that and she didn't fall off that that bad she ended up finishing 27th so she still finished all american and as a freshman it's pretty impressive so she's a freshman that no one was really talking about um from florida and I thought that was kind of like a impressive run for her that kind of like the 
unknown name kind of coming in hot, putting mm-hmm. themselves out there and still finishing with an all American. Mm-hmm. And I thought if you look at how the splits progress throughout the meet on the team side of things, NC state led wire to wire. They went, they had 65 points at the 1,170 meter split, your favorite split. They had 119 at, at 2,000, 100 at 3,000, 79 at 4,000, 81 at 5,000, and then they finished with 84. And there was some movement early on, but by 3K and 4K, Gordon, this thing settled down because by 3K, the, the order was NC State, BYU, New Mexico, Colorado. Now, those other three teams, BYU, New Mexico, and Colorado, had to move up by 3K, but 4K, it stayed the same, 5K stayed the same, and then obviously the finish stayed exactly the same. This was more in line with a, I don't want to say traditional cross-country race because there is no traditional, but you contrast it with last year's race in Stillwater with the hills and then all those teams falling apart at the end. This thing really settled in by 3K, and maybe it's just because those four teams were you know, a cut above everybody else, even though the gap from four to five in terms of points wasn't massive, but maybe that is part of it. But I think also just the course and the conditions lent itself to most people being able to just hold the pace and and not fall apart. You even look at, man, from the in the last K, Stanford went from fifth to sixth. Notre Dame went from sixth to fifth, but everybody else in the top 10 stayed exactly the same. Minnesota was in seventh. They were stayed in seventh. Arkansas eighth. Iowa State nine. Ole Miss ten. Like nobody moved in in that group at all. The only ones that moved: Stanford, Notre Dame. That was it. Yeah, and they had flip flop from the from the from the previous K. They had flip flop because it was Stanford who moved up, and then Notre Dame who had moved back. So really, over the last two kilometers, there wasn't much movement at all. Pretty interesting. Yeah. I don't really – I mean, yeah, I thought there were a couple, like, didn't do too well. I mean, you could say someone like um, Taryn O'Neill, who thought she could potentially be a top five. She finished outside of All-American. Grace Forbes, someone who had ranked in the top ten, finished outside All-American. Um, there wasn't too many others that were crazy that had really ranked high that finished mm-hmm. outside All-American, but um, – and there wasn't that many big DNFs. I guess Emily Venters was a big DNF, but you know, not right. that crazy of a situation the way we had with Cooper Tier over in the men's race. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is just one of those years where what we thought would happen kind of happened, you know, and that's okay. We don't always need chaos. <laughs> well, Taisma, the big DNS as well, too, because. I mean, I don't think – well, did you do the math on Alabama? I guess if she – because their fifth runner scored 202 points. So if you if you take off 200 from their score just to do some rough math, I think they still end up – They finished like sixth or seventh. Alabama? They finished like sixth or seventh. Oh, oh. No, I mean if, if they take, were – Yeah. 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 Doing the, you did the math already. No, no, I was just wondering, playing the alternative. Um, all right, do you want to go – you want to look at who you think your favorite is for next year on the women, or do you want to go to the men with the takeaways on the men first and then go back to the we'll do, prediction? Let's do takeaways on the men. All right. 
So other than apologizing to George Kusha, what do you want to talk about with him then? Okay, first of all, there's no need to apologize to George Kusha. I said if he finishes top 40, they're going to win a national title. And that's what he did. So I correctly predicted his what he would do. I said that's what he needed to do. And if he didn't do that, they probably don't win, right? If he finishes in like the 60s, maybe that Iowa State would have found a way to sneak in and take the win. So mm-hmm. I don't think any apologies are necessary. Why would I need to apologize? Do, do I need to apologize when uh, Cooper, does Cooper Tierney apologize to me when I pick him to finish top five and it finishes 200th? Do I get that apology too? Because I'm willing to apologize to all the athletes I underranked if all the athletes I overranked are willing to apologize to me. But I don't think it works that way. I only get knocked for all my underranks, but I don't get, you know, thanks for the credit. support for my overranks. You, you want know, credit. You want, you want more credit. It, just because the Kusha thing was obvious that he was going to bring it. He was going he, he to be ready. You say that now, Monday morning quarterback, but it wasn't I said that obvious. before. I said, run the tape. I said that before. That's literally what we argued about. I said, this guy's going to be All-American. He's won Big Ten before. You have him ranked in the hundreds. This is not going to happen. Look, the whole... The whole genesis of the argument was if Oklahoma State has their A game and NAU has their A game, who's going to win? Well, we can't really even have that debate right now because I don't think anybody would say Oklahoma State had their A game. So it's I just think be, it's crazy for you to say, oh, we knew it was going to happen. Did you know that Jonathan – well, did you think Jonathan Davis was going to finish All-American? Did you think Cooper Tier was going to finish All-American? Did you think uh, – let me keep on going through the list. Why did you think Victor subject? Kiprop – did you think Victor Kiprop was going to finish All-American? Did you think that uh, – I can keep going. There's, there's so many athletes George that Kusha. people think are going to finish. There's so many athletes that people think are going to finish All-American that end up not finishing All-American. And I think the idea that, like, your your anecdotal evidence to prove a bigger point is it's not Anecdotal? We focused on one guy for an excessively long period of time because he was a bellwether runner for NAU, and he delivered. And I thought he would deliver, and he delivered. So... He was the story of the race for them, I think, right? I mean, because you knew that the top three was going to be solid. You didn't know what order they'd be in. And in in many ways, it wasn't really relevant what order they came in. I thought Bosley, I think he overperformed finishing 13th. I think he had a a really good race. But then the question was always four and five. And I think, I mean, Hasty obviously coming in as such a highly touted high school runner. Like, we can't ever be surprised that he's All-American. Um, but based on the season that he had, that was a really good run for him just to be right there behind behind Kusha. But, I mean, Notre Dame did – or, sorry, uh, NAU did what NAU has done in these championship runs, which is pack a bunch of people really high up. It's not complicated. And then they're, they're four and five usually, or maybe sometimes they're three, four, and five, just isn't that far behind. Now, they had a drop-off between five and six which would have been really an issue, but they were still well and clear of, of everybody else. How far do you think, I mean, because we talked about Iowa State overperforming. Oklahoma State, still podium, still third, but what, I mean, almost 100 points back of NAU. I feel like that was a lot. I mean, Alex Mayer ends up getting, was that Mayer their sixth guy? Yeah, he's their sixth guy. And Shoppy was their seventh. That seemed like it was the difference for them. Maybe it wouldn't have been enough anyway, but that that felt like the difference for them. Yeah, I mean, 
you're, you're going changing. So, yeah, I mean, Mayer should have finished like 25th, right? Everyone had him finishing 25th, and then he didn't. So, uh, I had him finishing 25th, and then he didn't. So that that's like a big. That's the thing with these things. You can. I'm still kind of bent on the idea, like yo, you you got the George Kush thing wrong, but like no one is caring about all the other ones that got you get wrong with like other people coming down lower and people coming down higher. It's just it's cross country. I don't know. I just I'm kind of a little annoyed that you act like again. The, oh, you don't know your you don't know your stuff because you incorrectly predicted one of the 255 runners because that's just not how predicting team scores works you so, gotta get all of them right you gotta get all of them right um all right let me ask you another question then while you're annoyed um because i want to go team i want to go team by team here just like with a big question when is when is any of you going to lose again because this is crazy if you look at the big picture and how many they've run off and how young they are as well and in retrospect okay they win by a good margin here but this thing was not for certain at all and he just mike smith just has the ability to get the best out of everybody on most days and then they're recruiting so well too so they're always going to put seven people on the line who have the ability to have a great day and not to say they can't get injuries or they can't have issues that trip them up but what do you think is like, where do you think this ends when you look out for, I don't know, I want to say four or five years. Let's see, one, two, three years from now for NAU. So even though they have no seniors on their roster this year, on paper it says they can return all of their seven. But I do, th do think there is a chance that uh, someone like Abdi Nur or Ryan Raff would leave. Because while they're soft, like Abdi Hamid's a sophomore on paper, he's been in school for four years. So for him to come back for a junior year will be him coming back for a fifth year. And he might think, I have my degree. Maybe I'm good enough to go pro. Similar how Luis Corjalva and Blaise Farrow could have returned for their respective fifth, fifth and sixth <laughs> That'd have been years. Ridiculous. That'd have been ridiculous. But they decided not to. Uh, I could see someone like Abdi Hamid potentially going pro early if he has a good track season. So they'll probably lose him, but again, they're going to add in Colin Solomon, who's a top recruit this year. So that should be fine. George, George Kusha and Brody Hasty now will be coming off of good races going into, so they should have a good four with Nico Young, Drew Bosley, Kusha, and Hasty. And I think I think the one that the breaking point will be whether or not Nico Young can stay for a longer bit of time, because mm. there's a point when we thought Nico Young would go pro before he even joined NAU, right? There is he there's yes. talks of that. He was the star high school kid. Maybe he doesn't even go pro, uh, but now Nico might turn into a guy who stays for four to five years at NAU, right? If Nico Young finished in the top three here and then goes on to have a good track season nico young might be gone he might be like i'm pro but now that he's finishing like top 10 you know kind of he finished worse than he did last year mm -hmm. in a in a weird way it's the best case scenario for this nau because now he's 
he's good. He can be a, a low stick because there's no difference between 10 points and five points, but he's not too good where he's going to, when he's going to bail. And NAU has been losing people to pro. They, they lost Luis Garhalva. They lost Blaze Farrow. They lost, um, I can't believe forgetting his name, high school 1500 meter runner. Hobbs Kessler. They lost Hobbs Kessler. He was supposed to be on this team, but he went pro. And so I think they thought potentially Nico Young would be another one of those, but maybe Nico's going to be one of those guys where he's going to be back next year. He might stay around even one more year after that, and he might accidentally get four years, four top 10 finishes out of Nico Young. So I think that's going to help them extend this streak. Uh, the fact that they're able to hold on to Nico. I think Drew Bosley, same way. He's good, but not great. They can kind of hold on to a good – you could look at Young and Bosley kind of being the day in Baxter for these uh -huh. next two years beyond, which I think is what you need because you have those two horses up front, and then you bring in the rest of the cattle or the other horses or the ponies, I don't know, to kind of fill in the three, four, five slot. But they got good recruits. They're probably in the running to get Nico's twin brothers – and if they did get that, we're talking 2023, we could have four Newberry Park alums all on the same NAU team. You know, I'm not sure if all of them will be top seven by then, but yeah, I would assume Colin Solomon and Nico Young would be top seven. And if the two true freshman young twins can find a way to like just be in a top seven for one race, it'd be kind of cool seeing Newberry Northern Arizona Park running all together in 2023. <laughs> But to answer your question, they're going to be the favorites next year. And the streak, I think, just won't end until they loot, until they get down to, to just a one star, right? Mm -hmm. Right. They had three stars this year, right? I think they'll have at least two next year with Nico Young and Bosley. So they have between now and end of next year to turn – a Santiago Prazer, a Tristan Merchant, a Kale Gothers, a Colin Stallman, a naming all the other guys, a Corey Gorgas, turn one of them into a star, right? So that's what you need. Just as long as you always have two, and just for perspective, 17 they had Dan Baxter, 18 was Dan Baxter, 19 was Grijalva and Nur, but it didn't work out because they, they just should have been they Beamish. Still got second. Should have been Beamish. Beamish, yeah. Should have been Beamish, Beamish and run yeah, yeah. Yeah. 2020, they had four, right? Farrow, Young, Nur, and Grijalva. 2021, they had three, Nur, Young, and Bosley. 2022, let's assume they have Young and Bosley. 2023, I think they'll still have Young and Bosley. So I think they're at least good through 2023. And then they hope yeah. by 2023, the, all these new people they added, one, one or two of them kind of take the reins from 2024 to 2025. Hell, man. It's hard, it's hard to see an endpoint. You, mm -hmm. you saw endpoints with Oklahoma State and with Colorado when they were on their runs because of graduation. Like there was like a big exodus of like a pack of three, and they're like, it's hard to replace a – top 10 runner with a returning top 40 runner, right? Because it's a lot of, like, hey, it, 
Yeah. It, we, no one is where... expecting Brody Hasty to finish top 10 next year. They're, they're expecting Brody Hasty to finish top 40 next year. And that's the, the difference. You want your top 10 guys to return, not expect your top 40 guys to become top 10. Well, and that's where the transfers factor in as well, too, because you see this with top programs, not even in just college sports and professional sports, too. People are attracted to winning. So if there's ever a year when they're a person short and they're looking at their roster, there's always the opportunity to add that extra person. You know way more about the behind the scenes at NAU than I do. So I could be completely wrong here. But if you're NER, this they just seem like they're having so much fun. I don't know why, why coming back, I get it. There's financial considerations as well, too. But this has got to be an amazing time to be competing for NAU. So I wouldn't say, again, you know more about the sign, but that, that, that he would automatically, you know, go and, and try to try to pursue professional running. They got five and six years, the longest, you know, dynasty. I guess if we're looking at, at dynasties, right? Six and seven for UTEP. You want to go all-time titles, right? You're going to look at Arkansas with 11. 11? Uh, UTEP had eight, right? So I don't think – we're not looking at like an 11 situation, but where this is impressive is over that confi- – well, in the yeah in the near term, we're not because we'd have to be doing this podcast for at least six more years for that to happen, and that's not going to be true <laughs> because I'll make way more jokes at your rankings in that time, and you'll probably quit by then. But like in terms of a time period – over seven years, like that's an apples to apples comparison or as close as we can get, right? So if they win again next year, it's it's six and seven and we can compare that pretty easily with with UTEP, right? And then and then from there, we can go on and say, okay, if they do it again and they're at seven and eight, then this is, you know, the greatest dynasty over a 10-year period, certainly. You, and I think they can win seven out of eight because they're going to have likely Young and Bosley in 2023. And if they have Young and Bosley in 2023, that's going to be enough. They'll, they'll, they'll be able to fill in their three, four, five with their depth. But knowing yeah. two years out, you're going to have two guys finish in the top 10 with one guy potentially winning. They'll have like a, a Klinger Mance situation in 2023. 20, yeah. Which is crazy. We're already thinking 2023 and it's 2021, and you already know you got to have a, a clinger mance. So, yeah. Um, the interesting thing, or the impressive thing, too, they showed a graphic during the race. The year they didn't win, they were second. And you look at those other teams, like the years that they, they didn't win, they were way far off. So, we could be looking not, at not, that's not, that's not necessarily true. Wasn't uh, Arkansas 11 the year they didn't win? No, Arkansas was 10th, but UTEP was second. Oh, they were? Okay. Yeah. All right. My apologies to UTEP. Whoever made that graphic. Um, Arkansas. No, it probably is me and reading the graphic. <laughs> okay. Arkansas, though, they have some answering to do for that 10th place finish. No, I but, – but I'm saying they could have won that race in Terre Haute. I mean, it, it didn't end up being that close, and they were closer to third than they were to first, but – they certainly were the favorite going in, and then we would have, we're looking at a six-peat right now, which is just preposterous. Okay, I have another question for you, because we got one in the chat asking about Notre Dame. What happened to the Notre Dame men, as best you can tell? What do you think happened to the fight in Irish? So Notre Dame, basically, from what I saw, and this is not from what I heard, but from what I saw in the race, they try to implement the NAU strategy. 
they try to do gas, gas, gas. We're going all, we're putting all of our guys up front, and then we're going to hold, and we're going to beat NAU at their own game. Unfortunately, they were not prepared for NAU style of racing at 10,000 meters. And I think they probably misread the situation based off their regular season and based off of their results from Stillwater that they thought that this would be the way to win. And I think, mm-hmm. but, but what, basically what I'm saying is they kind of went in like, we're going to put our six guys up front and go. And NAU did yeah. not do that. NAU put their three guys up front and went. They did not put Brody and George Kusha up front with Drew, Nico, and, um, and Abdi Hamid because they knew – George and Brody do not need to be finishing top 10, right? They need to be finishing top 40. So there's no need for them to go with the Mances and the Kiptus. Whereas, so NAU split their split their packs in two. They had their three and their four. And they kind of like, you go to the front, your other four yeah. kind of go to the, the middle of the front pack. NAU, yeah. I mean, Notre Dame was like, we're going all to the front. We're putting six up there. And then by three right. to 4K, the hot pace burnt a lot of those guys out and they just slowly started peeling. And as soon as they started peeling, it was done. Like you knew that like the only way this scenario works is if you got there and therefore, and you created, you established your spot there and then the race, there people, and then other teams ran out of real estate to catch you. But the problem Mm -hmm. here is the other teams never ran out of real estate because this move only lasted for three to 4k. And by the time we got to 6K, Notre Dame yeah. didn't have that, you know, f- upfront thing. And I think when you look at their races, like while they had good, the Great Lakes race was fool's gold because the pace was a lot slower and it wasn't as deep of a field. So even though they ran as yeah. a pack, it's not going to be running with Kip 2. <laughs> it's different running with Kip 2 than running with a Butler yeah. runner, right? It's just a very different thing. And then um, ACC's, while they had a good spread, they were still kind of separate. They were separate by like 30 seconds. And so yeah. that was over 8K. They peeled after 8K. Imagine after 10K, they're going to peel even more. And then obviously mm-hmm. we don't know what would have done at Nuttycomb or at Prenets. So I think they uh, they kind of bit off more than they can chew. And I think Notre Dame probably was running for first as opposed to running for podium. And so, mm-hmm. you know... Go for it. I give them credit for that. They at least went for it. They went to. They went out there to win. They didn't go out there to podium, and they 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 did the best thing they could do because they knew they knew NAU was going to do what they had to do. So they wanted to counteract that. But I think if yeah if Notre Dame would have had their top six guys, if they would have had Kilray and Jacobs run with Boz the front group, and then have yeah. their other five runners run where. George Kusha was and Theo Quacks was, I think Notre Dame would have had a better shot. They probably wouldn't have won, but they probably would have had a better shot again second. But they they put them all up front. And yeah. They went I for mean, it. They pre-fined yeah, it. They, they just, went for it. You know. so. Yeah, the, the short answer is they just went too fast. You have your entire group in the top, like, 30 in the, in the beginning split. And then by 5K, from 5K to 7K, they went from second 
to sixth. And during that same same time period, I'll just use Nagus as an example. He ended up being their sixth guy. From 5K to 7K, he lost 72 spots. And to me, that just, okay, they ran out of gas at, at that point. Like they are, and they all, they all didn't have that same drop off. But in general, you look at everybody moved backwards for the most part by pretty substantial numbers after two or three kilometers. Um, Jacobs ran well, he finished 10th. Um, but this also just underscores how difficult their Stillwater performance was to replicate, like how yeah. hard it was. Cause there you had basically the whole squad having an awesome race on the same day here. It's almost like it evened out. You had a regression of the mean where one, almost nobody had their best race. One guy had a really good race and then everybody else struggled. I mean, you had, I guess, Kilray pretty solid 31st, Carmody 49th, but they probably expected more from themselves than, than those places. So it's, it like balances out to like, okay, half of us had good races, but the problem was all of them were good in, in Stillwater. And then almost the reverse happened in, in Tallahassee. But you, you just like, look at the, on the, on the results page, green means you're moving up, red means you're moving back. There's just a lot of red there. Yeah. For 2k. And here's the thing, like their name's not going anywhere. They had a bad race here, but they're going to be podium slash national title contenders next year. They re they returned their top four runners from this race. They had another mm -hmm. guy in uh, Jake Renfrey who just was having a bad season, but ran well in March of 2021. They add him to the to that field. So they're going to have five guys to show up. And I think maybe this is going to be their way of, all right, we saw what worked in Stillwater. We saw what didn't work yeah. in... Um, Tallahassee, third time's a charm. So I think maybe this will be Notre Dame's potential. I mean, at the same time, it took BYU. When did BYU beat NAU? 19. 19. 19. So was that their third time around or was that their second? That was their fourth time. Their I third, I think. It was their third because BYU, NAU didn't start until 2017. Then 2018, mm -hmm. they beat them, and then 2019. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe this is the the third round, kind of how BYU upset NAU in round three in 2019. Round three of NAU Notre Dame would be 2022. So, hey, we yeah. were just giving NAU the title in 2022. <laughs> it's third time's a charm for Notre Dame. So maybe we need to recalibrate and recognize Notre Dame might be pulling off the upset in 2022. Yeah, I think uh, NAU's success and dominance puts a lot of pressure on everybody else because it makes them make the decision that you mentioned, which is do we run for the podium or do we run for win? And sometimes yeah. running to win means that the bottom can fall out pretty easily. On the, I don't have much to say on the individual race. I got to be honest. I got fooled by Athanas Kyoko watching it live. I said, this is the run for the win. And then Connor Mans just <laughs> shut the door on that so quickly. And Kyoko ran well, got third, good race for him. But Mance goes back to back, beats Kip to again. Charles Hicks fourth, what a run for him. Beatles come fifth, Wild Shot sixth, the Nerd seventh. I mean, I don't, I don't have any, 
other than the fact that I thought <laughs> Kyoko could win it with that big move, I nothing nothing jumped out to me as particularly strange. Yeah, and I, I think Kyoko could end up being a. I think he could win multiple track titles in 2022 because he was right behind Luis Corhalva for third in that 5K. He ran 13-13, and he got nipped at the line by Corhalva to get third, that, the one that Cooper won. So mm -hmm. cross country is a different animal, different surface, but I think Kyoko is going to be an animal in the indoor scene. I think he's going to be an animal in the outdoor scene. and. You know, we're probably not going to see a Conor Mance, right? Conor Mance is probably going to be out of the mix because he's going to go pro. So we could be seeing a Kip to Kyoko battle go crazy mm -hmm. in uh, 2022, which should be exciting. Um, Charles Hicks, got to love his consistency. Um, yeah. Finishing fourth here, man, impressive. I was always on the Cooper tier train, but Hicks kept beating him, and he beat him here. I think we got to give Hicks some credit for uh, – his consistency across the entire season to finish fourth. Um, and then I, we'll talk a little bit. I want to, some individuals kind of didn't do as well. I mean, Eastside Rodriguez, he had like a, a B race. He, he probably should have finished top 10. He finished 22nd. It's not the end of the world, but I'm sure, you know, Oklahoma State, they, while losing 10 points from Eastside, is not the end of the world. I think yeah. that kind of was a trend on the rest of their team that kind of caused them to go from national title contenders to just finishing in the middle of the podium. Um, mm -hmm. And then there was a couple other obvious, like kind of weird, like Brandon Garnica. I said he needed to finish top 25 to, for BYU to be in the mix. He finished 54th. Um, some of the Oklahoma State guys didn't do as well as we thought. And then Kyrian, this is like crazy. Kyrian Lum. Washington kid finishes 87th. The guys run 1320 in a 5K. He's finishing 87th at NCAA Cross. I think that shows that cross country is not track and that there's talented people who can just get swarmed by the pack of 255 athletes. And you may be the guy who's going to go on to have a great pro career, but when it comes to cross country, you're you're, everyone is equalized. And I can, someone like Kyrian Lum, who's probably going to go on to potentially make an Olympic team by 2024. I mean, he's run 1320 already. He's finishing 87th here. He's, he's finishing, you know, right behind Isaac Akers of Tulsa. And then obviously the big uh, name to kind of not have a race we expected was Cooper Tier. Mm -hmm. Finishing 247th, uh, just four spots away from the last man, 250, who was Joey Ivoladi of Syracuse. But uh, Cooper Tier finishing 33 minutes, lost 207 places in the final K, went from 40th to 247th. What are your thoughts on uh, what happened to Cooper Tier? I mean, it looks like his body just gave out and rather than DNF which some people choose to do. He wanted to continue to finish line, and I totally understand that. The problem with cross-country is it all comes down to one race, which there's some beauty in that, but there's also the reality where you end up putting a whole bunch of weight onto one performance like this. Ultimately, I don't think this is going to impact him negatively in any way, shape, or form. You can 
make a pretty long list of people who've struggled in these championships and some of them in to the degree almost that, that Cooper Tier did where their body just gives up. And I think the fact that it is just a one-off race adds so much more pressure to it that when things go wrong, they can go really wrong. It's not like a track race where you've had, okay, wow, I've PR'd a couple times this, this season and I got the Olympic trials coming up. This is just, this is a big race. This is the last time I'm wearing the jersey of my university, but I've got a lot of things that, that have gone well for me this year. It just, you don't have like the intermediate steps the same way in cross country as you do in, in track and field throughout the season. So just more and more pressure gets ratcheted up on a bigger and bigger stage. But I don't think this is going to matter one iota negatively for him. It may, might motivate him positively, but I just see that. And, and, and I think, okay, something wasn't right with his body that day combination of the preparation the the pacing the the conditions something and it was just so i'd be more concerned if if he ran like solid and got like 25th yeah than this i agree this, if that makes sense it's a weird thing in, in track and field but the wor the the worse your race is the more you can kind of attribute it to just being an, an outlier i think he'll be fine yeah there's someone uh a year the, after the 2012 Olympics, in the year 2013, so three years out from the 2016 Olympics, there was a college runner who won pre-nats, won their conference meet, won their regional meet, and then finished 82nd at the national championship. And then three years later at the 2016 Olympics, they got second at the Olympics. That was Paul Chalimo. Paul Chalimo finished 82nd at cross, his final cross-country season for UNC Greensboro. And then yeah. the next Olympics, he is getting second there. So it happens to the best. And uh, I think Cooper Tier is it's totally fine. If anything, this is like a crazy moment in his life that he's never going to forget. And he's going to have this like, it's, I think it's going to end up being a positive in his life because he's going to be able to look back and be like, I know what I, I pushed myself to the, to the brink for something while in college. And now I can take that energy and kind of formulate it into my next four years as I try to chase making the Olympics in 2024. So I yeah. think he's definitely going to be, yeah. it's going to be a okay. In my opinion, um, obviously his, he's fine health. He's fine. Right. Cause obviously it looked scary in the moment, but he's fine. I'm yeah. assuming we would have heard news if it was actually a medical yeah, he post situation. I think it's yeah. He posted he was that he was um doing okay on, on Instagram, okay. I saw. Yeah, like Sim I mean Simpson was 163rd that year and there was a lot of pressure on her too, right? She she came yeah. back just for that race. Just for that race. And a couple things went wrong and, and she ended up, you know, stopping and, and having just a nightmare race. Selinsky didn't run well. Think about world cross, um, Joshua Chepta guy completely fell apart that year for Uganda. And now he's the world record holder in the 5k and the 10k. There's just, there's a lot of factors that, that play into cross country that don't exist on, on the roads or on the track. And the, it's all heightened because it's one, one race that matters all year. And that is not really something that, that he'll see throughout the rest of the season. Um, or the rest of his career, excuse me. Do you want to talk about next year? 
what you're feeling next year. Now, keep in mind, Stillwater hosting next year, Gordon. Back to the hills of Stillwater. So that could be, we talk about Notre Dame, that could be good for Notre Dame because yeah, they ran well there and they're going to be returning to their thing that ran well. Anyway, what I, before we talk about next year and a couple of news items, I want to say one thing. I mentioned it on the pod on Saturday, but the night before the men's race, I texted Actually, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't check. I didn't text Dave Smith this because I didn't want to tell him his team was going to finish third because he thought his team was going to win. So I didn't want to give him some bad ju- juju. So I, I I sent this to Jeremy Sudbury and to Mike Smith saying, "Hey, based on this new algorithm I created, based purely on prenats and nuttycomb, I ran it for the 2019 results and it outputted, and I think it meant something because it outputted BYU, NAU, Colorado." which is an order that no one thought would happen, right? But that's what happened in 2019. And I did it again, and it outputted a NAU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. I personally was surprised that it had Iowa State in there. I was like, wait, what? thought Notre Dame would be in there or something like a BYU or something. Why is it putting Iowa State second? And then when I watched the race results and I saw Iowa State, Oklahoma State, 2-3, it's like, damn, the algorithm worked. And... uh we didn't talk much about Iowa State. They were the – you know how I said this, this race was going to be like 2017 and no one saw Portland coming in and getting second? Turns mm-hmm. out the Portland ah. of, 20, of 2021 was Iowa State. No one saw Iowa State getting second. It was all NAU, Notre Dame, <laughs> Oklahoma State, maybe a BYU. But Iowa State was the surprise team. And they, they ran well. They ran um, – Obviously, Kiptu was going to do Kiptu things, but they ran as a pack. They didn't yeah. hold the, the Notre Dame move by putting everyone in the front. They kind of just stayed consistent in the 40s and kind of hoped that they were them only having to score four guys because they knew one of their guys was going to score two points would work out. And, yeah. it, and it worked out in their favor. Yeah, Pollard, I mean, getting 18th is huge. But there wasn't a, oh, my God, performance. It was just like solid across the board. Yeah. For all of them, for Iowa State, it was the classic total team performance combined with, with Kip Two obviously giving them a really low score to start with. But even their their sixth was Kibichi, who finished sixty fifth. They were they were solid all the way through. It was just a great great team race for for Iowa State. I'm guessing coaching staff very very happy there because it's like it's again it's getting a multiple guys or women to run well on the same day. Just has to make you feel good at the end of the year because so much can go wrong. Yeah, and we want to give a little shout out to Arkansas men getting another podium. They were kind of a little overlooked. I tried to hype them up by thinking they could win. Um, they, yeah, I think they didn't have a good, good fifth man, but they had a really good top three to be able to kind of hold on to a podium spot. Um, Arkansas's legit. Now, there's going to be hard for them to repeat this next year because I think they lose a bunch of seniors, but. Uh, Hey, Coach Buckham, can never count him out. Always going to be in the mix. And another podium, I'm sure, is going to add to his collection that he has, like their trading cards of podium trophies that Arkansas keeps on getting, whether it's in track or cross country. Yeah, Cabet, I thought, you know, at 50th, could have got, got a little more there. But ultimately, it's, it's tough when your fifth runner's that far back. But you could have seen a scenario where they would have, they could have gotten third. I think getting in any higher than third would have required a a fifth man 
there. They yeah. could run all American. Just that's just what the math says, basically. But like, if you look at their guys who finish six and seven, Jacob McLeod and Ryan Murphy, they've run like thirteen forty in a five k. So they oh, have yeah, talent. No, it's just you, they had bad days. So your hype was just. Let me let me. I'll give you credit where I give you credit because I criticize you where you just were really wrong. But uh, they were. You were right on Arkansas. Like you were. You had alternate reality. I mean, I'm not going to say they would have beaten NAU, but like they had all the pieces there and those guys in the back end had the good 5K PBs and then the guys up front came to play too. They scored 10, 13, 14. That's like a, yeah. that's like a winning formula there. So you were, you were, you were early on, on Arkansas and it almost paid dividends. Um, I guess it, it's, it's weird though. If you don't have a five, like show up throughout the season, they're not going to magically show up at the championships though. Yeah. Maybe there's an example That's of true. history someone can bring up, but it, it feels like if you go through the whole season and you're still asking, where's the five, where's the five, they have this good cross country or this good track BB. It, you can't, you can't count on them doing it at the, at the end. And that was the issue going in. And we knew that was going to be the issue. Now having an awesome one, two, three though, can get you on the podium. Can't get you the title, can get you on the podium. So they got the most out of what they had. Based on yeah. based on what what we saw this year, so and then uh, yeah, and I want to say the top. even I said Oklahoma State controls their own destiny. I did some math, and if you so, <laughs> Oklahoma State did control their own destiny because the reason why they ran so poorly is they had some guys run well. Shea Foster ran well. Victor Schitzma ran well. Twenty. 23rd points, 25 points. Alex Mayer didn't even score for them. I thought Alex Mayer was going to finish top 20. So that yeah. knocks off like 50 points. Eastside Rodriguez, he should have been top five. You could knock off another 15 points. And then um, Ryan Smeaton, he was supposed to be top 30, knock off another 20 points. There's a situation where their three of their of what three of their top five guys ran as they were supposed to, and maybe a little bit better than what they're supposed to. They would have been neck and neck with NAU, and then the reason why in that situation, the reason why NAU would have then outleaned Oklahoma State was because George Kush finished top forty. <laughs> Listen. I disagreed with you on the A team versus A team thing, but Oklahoma State didn't run close to the A race. So it's like we can't even really have the debate. You know what I mean? Because you're right. Mayor, like they needed Mayor to be where Foster was, right? Yeah. And they needed Smeaton to be a little bit better. And maybe even, I mean, Shoppy was what their fourth guy at, at conference. Maybe he could have been ahead of Shitsama. There as well too. Yeah. I know it, it means asking a lot of. If you would have just been better here and you would have been better there, but they had the potential. We had seen it from all of them throughout the year. But yeah, I would have liked them both to have their A race because then we could have yeah. actually had the debate. But they like undoubtedly NAU had an A race. One through five Correct. had A races. Maybe even a maybe even A pluses with some of those guys. Brody had an A like, plus, thought, plus race. Yeah, Bosley I think had a, had an A plus race. Right, Abdi well, Hamid yeah, probably had, had a. Had an a. Okay. okay, well, I'm a good. little more, I'm a little more, a little more generous with A pluses. Uh, 
Abiyamid at least an A, right? But but you go through Oklahoma State, just not the case. So we can't unfortunately yeah. have that debate as as much as I would love to yell about it for another ten minutes. Um, okay, tell me about twenty twenty two. I know you're going to go in depth on this, and if folks are listening and they're like, "Hey, how do I get more cross country talk, but with less Kevin?" Well, Gordon hosts the NCAA cross country show, and its season finale is coming up tomorrow, and he's going to go in depth into twenty twenty two. But can you give us a little taste again? It's going to be in Stillwater. Good point. So. I can give you a taste. Uh, what you guys saw um, is is not uh, fool's gold. NAU and NC State very likely to be the top ranked teams coming in. Uh, NAU more so than NC State. I can see a surprise team. I'm, I'm kind of pitching the, the podcast for tomorrow. I can see a surprise okay. team potentially in my top four, but I'm going to release the way too early 2022 podium picks. I can give you one hint. NAU will be number one because they're returning everyone and they freaking won five championships in six years. For me to think that they're not going to win next year just makes no sense, right? You, you got to wait. It's like the Tom Brady effect. You keep on picking him until he until he retires because you don't want to be saying he's going to retire like they did in ESPN like 10 years ago and then he want, goes on to win like three more Super Bowls. So not going to do that. Oh, one thing I though, we'll send this to... Uh, What is this? Uh, what's um... I don't know. Are you still there? I'm surprised you didn't say this. We didn't. We uh, we got to play this on play play this on the. Uh... I'm gonna send it to the chat. So Colton, you can play, play this. What are we talking about here? But Kevin, you appreciate this. This is what I was thinking of once NAU won their fifth title. So let's just play that video. Or Kevin here. I'm excited. Is Mike oh. Smith the San Antonio Spurs of NCAA <laughs> cross country? <laughs> I like it. I like it. The great Greg five titles. There, counties. Five titles. He's got five. Yeah. It's remarkable. I was thinking the most anybody in the current team has, though, is two. Because nobody was on that 2018 team that's currently there. And I wonder, is anybody going to want to stick around and do four? Because you Ryan mentioned, Raff was. hey. Ryan Raff was. Oh, he was on 18? So Ryan Raff's yeah. got three? Yeah. He ran that day too? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he was their seventh man. Okay, so is he going to end up being Robert Ory in this situation, Jordan, if we're going to extend some <laughs> basketball analogies? I, I, I think I looked this up. Did UTEP? I'd have to go look it up because I because I remember looking this up for like Beamish, right? Because he had the chance to get four in a row, and I, the list of people who've won four, I it's a very small group. Of yeah, things. I think Ryan Raff is now in the running to be that guy, which is funny because he would be like the seventh man on four yeah. straight like and teams. It's just like it's like a. Uh, it's like Rob Roy, big shot Bob, you know, he's there. Although he DNS'd, he, does it count? I guess it counts. He DNS'd in 19. Well, no, he didn't, he wasn't on the, well, they didn't win in 19. Roster. They didn't win in 19. They didn't win yeah. in 19. Yeah. 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 Okay. 18, 20, and 21. I like it. Yeah. I, I, I like it. There we go. Three of them for Raph. But, uh, you could get hasty 
or sorry, not Hasty. Um, Nico, right? Nico get four. Nur, yeah. I guess. I mean, Nur Nur couldn't just on eligibility, right? Um, no, he could. Nur has two more years. Okay, does one Bosley more year have... count because of COVID? Bosley has two more years. Bosley has three more years. No, <laughs> Bosley has two more. Yeah, Bosley has wait, two. But, and wait, did he run? Wait, he he was there in Stillwater, right? Am I am I blanking on that? So Bosley and Nur he was yeah. can't can't get four. They only can get three. No, they can get four because they all have two more years. Yeah, because yeah. they have a couple yeah, yeah, So yeah. Bosley can yeah. get four. Nur can get four. Young could get four, and uh, Ryan Raff can get four, and Brody Hasty can get four. They all can get four. That's crazy. <laughs> if, they, if that happens, so, I mean, we're already talking about it. Like, but if NAU were to actually win, let alone twenty twenty two, but again in twenty twenty three, that's just that's. What's the point of even having to meet if that's happening? Right? Well, comes down to one race, and you, if you're the other like, team, you hope the luck turns a little bit for you. But it's like part of me feels like NAU should be allowed to be should be allowed to like take 2024 off. Be like, hey, we're just not going to run. We're going to let them still have their championship. Let's let them crown someone, and then we'll come back so we can continue our streak. But we just we feel bad for the other programs that they're not being able to win. Like they just like take a you know do it like you know like the Warriors they tank a year and then they come back and then they start winning all the titles again. This is a discussion for a, another pod, but how much of this is the talent gap versus how much of it just something that NAU is doing? Because yeah, they're talented and they have good recruits, but there's a lot of other teams out here that have good recruits too. This isn't the situation where they're the only ones like they're just collecting every five star out there right i think i'm obviously nico young bosley are great right had vaunted prep careers but there's programs out there that have had good good success recruiting as well too maybe not as good but not too far off i would say it's 20 percent coaching 20 percent location 20% recruiting. Where am I? That's at 60%. 20%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20% coaching, 20% location, 20% recruiting. Just like that 20% luck, 20% skill. <laughs> and I don't want to do this, but maybe it's also 40% luck. I think 40% luck, 20% coaching, 20%. And the reason why I say luck is people have you it's hard to to do it on the right day, right? People have bad days. So and it's hard to be healthy. Like there's there's luck involved in our sport. As much as we don't want to pretend it's all skill, coaching and talent, there's a big majority of luck in sports and especially in running because the body is not a, a perfect machine. It can break down, it yeah. can get sick, it can twist an ankle, it can mental fatigue. All this stuff can happen, and the coach is just crossing their fingers, get us to the starting line with clear minds and healthy bodies, and then then go. Mm. You know, so and he's been able to do it five out of six years. <laughs> so I I don't know what my percentages are. I'd put it lower than four. That's a lot of luck. Forty percent luck is it? Yeah, is a big. 
is a big number. I'd bump up the, the all the other ones there, the coaching, the facilities and altitude and sure. And the recruiting as well too. I mean, I recruiting is part of coaching as well, but I, I guess when I say coaching, I mean just the from the beginning of the season, just the, the workouts and the mental preparation, everything other than recruiting. The non-recruiting coaching and then the recruiting part of coaching I, I put in two separate buckets and they're uh they're thriving in all of them but think about this when will it end? When if blaze pharaoh luis grijalva and hobbs kessler were all in this team brody hasty who finished all american probably wouldn't even be on the roster yeah yeah <laughs> yeah insane. you're right uh yeah, they've had guys go early too that's the i mean it, it reminds me of like a Duke basketball situation now, not in the current era where it was just like guy or Kentucky basketball, probably be a better example. Those, those guys stayed for one year and not like three years, but it was just like the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. And then before you know it, it's just a, it's just assumed that they're going to be there, but I, you can only, your fifth is, has as much sway on the score as your first. So you can have a superstar, but it's not as if you can give them the ball every time and clear out yeah. and have them score 35 points. You need every, you need all five, and usually at least one person in your five uh, isn't the person that you anticipated the year or two before, either because of injuries or training or just progression or they peaked too soon, something like that. And this is – that's why I think it's impressive when you get all five running where they – well at the same time over and over and over again i put a lot on it on the coaching so congrats to mike smith um there was a world record in the half marathon that we didn't even talk about but that's because the half marathon world record gets broken all the time I, we can say that for later um i would like to say though this run similar to the warriors run hmm. is the result of tanking because then you tanked the 2015 season by hmm. resting a healthy Futsum Zena Selassie to come back in 2016 as a fifth year. Uh, yeah, so this yeah, is but the then proof that tanking about, works. <laughs> but this would be, then we'd be talking, we'd be talking about four and five though then, right? Like it wouldn't, that didn't have anything to do with right now. It'd still be. <laughs> I know, but yeah, right now. Yeah, it seems like works. it's going to go on. It seems like it's going to go on for as long as uh, the coaching staff is in place there. Or I did have a. Happens and, NAU gets lower, like in terms of altitude, Flagstaff, like they have to move the campus somewhere and it just like falls off of a mountain, maybe. I don't think that's going to happen though. I did have a a person at a another school, not NAU, text me beginning of the season. I was having a conversation with him and he said, I said, if NAU were to win this year, AK being 2021, they're never going to lose. And he said, I know. That's what happened. <laughs> because this was the year for them to lose. This was the year. And Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, they returned everyone. Arkansas returned everyone. BYU is always good. Yeah. And they did it. So it's yeah. impressive. This is becoming an Congrats to them. But we have to, I mean, we have to five. This is rare. We're not going to be seeing this, so it, it deserves a full pod to react to five out of six. So I'm not yeah. ashamed that I'm not talking about the number thirteen runner on at the D three championships 
Speaking of D3, though, Johns Hopkins, <laughs> national title. Once again, breaking the D3 record for most national titles. Let that wow. sink in. Congrats. World. Congrats, Johns sir. Hopkins women coming for you. NAU, you got five. <laughs> That's nothing. Get on Johns Hopkins level. Talk to me when you get Congrats to seven. Congrats the fighting Excel spreadsheets of Johns Hopkins. Congrats to your alma mater. Yeah, what are they? That was cool. They're, they're mascot something smart. What is it? Excel. No, the mascot is just a blue what? jay. They're the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays? I thought they, were, yeah. I thought they had some like, not the engineers? No, that was Lehigh University. Oh, okay. I get all my. change into a yeah, mountain hawk. Yeah. Ooh, Mountain Hawk. Interesting. All right. Uh, we might do another podcast this week. Maybe. But we got to figure out the schedule of the holidays. Thanks talk about that right now. Who knows? Who knows what's happening? Um, thanks to Colt for producing. Thanks to Travis for producing. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. We will talk to you uh, next time. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Subscribe to the FlowTrack Podcast YouTube channel. Check out the NCAA Cross Country Show on youtube as well where gordon will put out his season finale where there will be a cliffhanger for season two see you guys <laughs>